afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port here on 970 WDAY. Good afternoon, Natil. How are you? Doing pretty good today. Glad to hear it. There was sunshine today, Rob. I, I really didn't know what to make of it. I woke up this morning and there was light in my windows. It's not quite as bright out there anymore, but yeah. it was a fleeting moment of future summer. That's nice. I, I feel like we shouldn't <laughs> complain, though, about it. I mean, listen, we spend, what, nine months out of the year in winter? Well, maybe not that much. But it feels like it. Yeah. So it's, you know, take what you can get and be happy with it. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Congressman Kevin Kramer uh, joining us a little bit later in the program uh, regarding uh, well, it's his regular open phone segment, so we'll talk with him about that. I got some questions about the Trump budget for him, uh, and you can certainly call in with your comments or questions as well. That's coming up at one thirty. Um, hey, Natil, back on April first, I don't know if you caught it, but I wrote a I wrote a column in the newspapers about um, how it, how it seemed even at that time that the twenty eighteen Senate race had had already started. It it, it yes. just yep it, yeah. So it it seemed to me that. I mean, the Democrats were, were cranking it up. They're attacking Kramer. Uh, you know, Heitkamp leaked her her uh, her campaign fundraising numbers. You know, weeks before they were actually due to the FEC. Um, and so, to me, I mean, it's obvious. You know, Heitkamp's in and she's running. Well, today comes news that the Democrats are already going to be running TV ads. Television ads, Natil. It's not even it's it's not even twenty eighteen yet. It's May of twenty seventeen. And we've got campaign ads on the television this week. <laughs> you sound quite worked up about this. Oh. You know, you'd think that a political blogger would be thrilled. Yeah. Would, wouldn't you? Well, I mean I am. I'm writing about it. It's just <laughs> it's amazing to me. Um Politico reports that uh it's 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 through what's called Majority Forward, which is a nonprofit of, affiliated with the Senate Majority PAC, which is in turn is a political action committee uh, run by Democrats to, you know, obviously promote a Senate majority. Uh, they're, they're doing a $3.5 million television ad campaign. It's not just in North Dakota, Arizona, Indiana, Nevada, Missouri, and Montana uh, are also places where uh, they're running ads supportive of uh, Democratic incumbents. Obviously, uh, people they think are are uh, endangered, and I, I guess maybe that's the thing we're supposed to take from this is that Democrats are are feeling perhaps a little nervous about Heidi Heitkamp winning re-election. I think it's I think it's an acknowledgement that it's going to be a tough race for her. I think that's what all this buildup in the spring of 2017, you know, almost geez, a year and a half. Before the actual election day that, that, you know, they're already doing. When Heidi Heitkamp, by the way, ran in 2012, she didn't start her campaign until November of 2011. And that's just when she officially announced the creation of her campaign. This time around, it's, you know, we're like starting like two years out almost. It's the exact um, opposite. Yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable. Meanwhile, yesterday on the show, we talked about Senator Heitkamp's comments about the, the quote-unquote resistance, right, where she said the, the resistance being sort of the hashtag movement, progressive movement to, 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 to delegitimize, to, to undermine, to oppose, to resist, obviously, 
President Donald Trump. Senator Heitkamp appearing at an event alongside the North Dakota Chamber of Commerce at which she was touting uh, legislation aimed at deregulation uh, was was asked about uh, opposition to that legislation from other Democrats, and she sort of took aim at the resistance. She said it was uh, a waste of time. Interestingly, those comments created some anger among the Democratic base, and, and not among just rank-and-file members either. Former Democratic Party Chairman Bob Valu, now he was the, uh, the, the chairman of the party, Two cycles ago, not not really that long ago, posted on Facebook, he says, I quote, this is the final straw for me. And he's linking to an article about uh, about Heitkamp's comments about the resistance. And it's, again, sort of sort of remarkable. And I, and I think it illustrates the quandary that Senator Heitkamp finds herself in, where on one hand, you know, she, she knows where she's got to go. She's got to go to the right. To get reelected, right? I mean, that's where she's got to be in North Dakota. She can't be out trashing Trump. Most North Dakotans who can vote voted for Trump. Um, so, you know, she, she can't sort of follow that progressive lead into the left, but yet there is a significant faction of her party that wants her to, despite the fact that it would probably mean losing That Senate seat, nor is this a recent phenomenon. In November of 2015, uh, certain Democrats, including Valu, were telling the media that they didn't think Heitkamp's voting record was far enough to the left. Uh, Earlier this year, Senator Heitkamp was heckled at a Democratic Party reorganization meeting in Bismarck. She was there addressing the crowd, uh, and she she got hollered at a little bit by members of the crowd over issues like health care. during the 2016 Democratic National Convention last year, 2016, delegates to the National Convention uh, signed, they, they created, they wrote and signed a, a, what was described as a harsh resolution in, in the media, a condemning Heitkamp saying, I quote, she was disrespectful to the people of our great state for supporting candidate Hillary Clinton over Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. So there is this wing, and they're a not not necessarily small or, or, or even marginal wing of the party who are, are so far left. It's 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 like they're not even it's like they're not even in left field anymore. They're out in the left field bleachers. That's where these people are right now. I point this out all the time because it's it's just a stunning reality. Heidi Heitkamp is the only Democrat to win a statewide election in North Dakota since 2008. And how does her party feel about her, or at least a faction of her party? They heckle her. They criticize her. Some are now saying they're done with her, including a former party chair. And you wonder why these people can't win elections in North Dakota. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report here on 970 WDAY. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329.
Email talk at WDAY.com. Until you see the story, uh, it's, it's out of Bismarck, but it's about the um, it's it's about the Department of Mineral Resources, and that's obviously the regulatory agency which oversees oil production and gas production in the state of North Dakota, among other things. Um, and and there was an accusation from a Bismarck attorney that they have been deleting emails and 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 breaking the law. Oh geez. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the accusation. Um, you know, and and that's I mean that's a serious thing in the state of North Dakota. If you destroy or otherwise inhibit the public's access to public records, like you hide the records or you shred them or delete them or whatever, that's uh, that's a crime. Uh, possibly, depending on the circumstances, a crime as serious as a felony. So this is not. This is not a small accusation. Also, I tend to be something of an open records zealot. I file open records requests all the time. Um, at one point, before I resigned uh, the, the position during the gubernatorial race because I was covering Attorney General Wayne Stenjum's candidacy, uh, I was actually on an open records task force appointed there by the Attorney General. So I, I care very deeply about this stuff. And if the DMR is destroying records, then... I'll be in the front line with 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 a pitchfork and a torch, uh, you know, looking for for someone to get some consequences because that is not right. The problem is, is I'm looking at these accusations, and they don't pass the smell test because they're talking about deleting records. But when I spoke with uh, DMR spokeswoman Allison Ritter, she said that they were deleting emails after they transferred the, the the information from the emails into their databases. So, for instance, if an email had some pictures of an oil spill at a well site, for instance, well, those photographs would be transferred into the file pertaining to that well, and then the email would be deleted, which makes sense, right? I mean, you're not going to keep that sort of information in an email system. That doesn't do anybody any good. You want it in a database where it can be looked up. There's no evidence at all that the Department of Mineral Resources is del- you know, like getting rid of the actual information. They may be getting rid of emails, but only after the information in those emails are put in databases. And to me... That makes sense. But when I start looking at, at where these accusations began, they actually began last year at the beginning of in the uh, 2016 election year. Uh, gubernatorial candidate Marvin Nelson for the Democrats uh, and Paul Sorum, who is you know run for governor in other offices a few times now, uh, Republican candidate, they held a joint press release, uh, excuse me, a joint press conference saying that they had been in touch with a uh, I, I, I guess I guess some sort of a whistleblower from, from DMR or something like that, uh, saying that, that these records had been deleted. And so the funny thing is, is, is earlier this month, May 11th, uh, right before this attorney, who, who I, I guess th- this attorney Derek Broughton out of Bismarck, who has a long history of sort of working for environmental groups, he's a little bit of a politically connected activist lawyer, um, he... You know, around the same time, you know, he put in big open records requests, and he's the one claiming that that emails were deleted and that records were inappropriately deleted. Contemporaneous to, to his work, earlier this month, Paul Sorum sends an email, which I obtained uh, via an open records request, uh, sent an email to Governor Doug Burgum's office, just sort of the general email account for, for the governor's office, and this is how he began the e- email, and it's it's pertaining what's going on at the DMR. He says, "I quote." Dear Governor Burgum, in an attempt to undermine Wayne Stenjum's primary campaign last year, Marvin Nelson and I held a press 
conference last May to shine a light on the reported destruction of thousands of records of the oil and gas division. Now, when, when, when they held that press conference last year, I think I wrote a post that basically said, you know, this, this has the stink, this has the whiff of partisan politics to it. And now here, like a year later, here's an email from Sorum where he says, in an attempt to undermine Wayne Syndrome's primary campaign last year, we had a press conference to shine a light on the reported destruction of thousands of workers of the oil and gas division. Like the, the, the guy is acknowledging a, a partisan political, I guess not necessarily partisan, I guess it's bipartisan, but, but political vendetta. Like all of this sprung out of politics. I got to tell you, it kind of ticks me off because, again, I am an open records advocate, right? I think government ought to do its business out in the open. I don't, I don't mind exemptions to open records law, but they should be pretty few and far in between and pretty narrow in scope. Generally, I, I, I think the assumption should be records are open to the public. So what I don't like, though, because that's, that's, a, that's, an arg, that's a hard argument to make. We are having to fight all the time against efforts to close off meetings, close off access to records. It's happening all the time. That is a constant fight, a constant war of attrition to fight against efforts to narrow the public's access to records. And so what happens is that fight gets harder when people abuse that access, when people use it to play political games, when people use it to try to baffle the public, to try to bamboozle the public, to make them feel that something is going wrong when it's, when it's not. There is no effort, there is no evidence that anybody at the Department of Mineral Resources destroyed information. They did delete emails. But what DMR is saying is that the information from those emails was filed appropriately and then the emails were deleted when they were no longer needed. What's more, they're saying it was all in compliance with their retention policy. So I don't know. It's just remarkable to me that Sorum would send an email just coming right out and saying in the email, oh, we held the press conference to undermine Wayne Stengem. Just coming out, just just leading with that, not hinting at it, just stating it, boldface, in your face. We did it for political reasons. I mean, I'll, I'll give this to him. It's honest. Maybe not very smart tactically, but it's honest. I got more about that story at sayanythingblog.com if you want to check it out. Congressman Kevin Kramer coming up next. We'll have our open phone segment. I'm going to ask him about Trump's budget, but of course you can ask him whatever the hell you want. 701-293-9000, email talk at wday.com. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Say I've been buying other women clothes. You've been talking to someone else. Rob Report here on 970 WDAY. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Here to take your comments and questions, Congressman Kevin Kramer. Kevin, that was uh, the Rolling Stones. You're a Rolling Stones fan, Kevin? 
<laughs> um, I can't say I'm a, an old Stones fan. I've been to one of their concerts because Chris is. Um, but uh, but it's I, I, I do like the icons. I always do. I think it's yeah. pretty cool when somebody gets that big. That yeah. is that good. And that old. I mean, they're that still old. touring. Yeah. And they're, <laughs> Keith Richards is like 100. Or he looks 100. I don't know. All right. It's, well, that's it, not let's what just you... say it's hard living on the rock and roll <laughs> yeah. road. I, it is. It is. Uh, Trump's budget. I'm, I'm reading a, a a graphic that was put out by the North Dakota Democratic Party today. <laughs> it says uh, Trump's budget takes aim at North Dakota, uh, and they've got a laundry list here. And I just I just wanted to ask you about some of this stuff because they're talking, uh, for instance, cut hundreds of billions from Medicaid, which they say I quote provides access to affordable health care for tens of thousands of uh, of North Dakota. I mean, I, I guess, first of all, just give me your top-line thoughts on the Trump budget. I, I know you're not a, a 100. I saw your press release. I know yeah. you're, you've are you you got know caveats and, and, and concerns sure. about it. But overall, I mean, where, where are you at on this? Well, first of all, overall, let me just say, while well, the Democrats record this, um, this is the first time we've had a president that presented a budget that balances in uh, at least eight years, <laughs> certainly since I've been here, uh, because Barack Obama, when he did present budgets, they, they just grew and grew and grew. There was they never balanced. I mean, not not in a year, five years, ten years, a hundred years down the road. They ne- were never designed to balance. So, at, at least President Trump shares our our um, principle, the North Dakota value, I might add, of of balancing the budgets. Um, now, you know, he increases spending, of course, for national defense, another very important priority. The main priority of the federal government is to to secure the uh, the, the national defense. And um, but in terms of like billions and billions of dollars for Medicaid, as an example, the thing that his budget does in concert with the with our health care bill is that it reestablishes Medicaid for the most vulnerable citizens, which is what Medicaid is for. And, um, you know, we provide other safety nets and other ways to fund people who um, are not part of that traditional Medicaid uh, um, patient base. So. Uh, but yeah, you, you can poke lots of holes in it, and there's some things that we'll have to work through the details and things like crop insurance. It, it is ironic, interesting, however, when Barack Obama pre- presented a one-year budget to cut crop insurance, for example, Rob, by three billion dollars. Uh, you didn't hear a, a thing from North Dakota's Democrats, but we quietly restored that money, and um, that three billion dollars represents a higher percentage than what what President Trump is proposing here. So. Um, you know, it's there's a lot of politics that's involved. A uh, budget does present some priorities for the president, but at the same time, uh, and, and by the way, I'm grateful for it. I, I do not want to dismiss it all. Uh, there can be efficiencies found even in agriculture. I know some people don't think so, um, but at the same time, Rob, I you know I sit here in my office. Lots of organizations, lots of people, stakeholder groups from North Dakota come in and out um, throughout the year, and it's great that they do, and I love hearing from them. And none of them ever come in to tell me that. They, they've had enough money now, they, they'd like a little less next year. And uh, at some point, you know, you do have to start looking for, for efficiencies. And it's, so. it's, it's, it's interesting to me that, that, that the media coverage of, of the budget is, is so focused on, you know, especially locally, it's, it's all about, well, this program's going to get cut, and that program's going to get cut. And it's like that becomes the lens through which the public sees the budget. I mean, it, it, exactly it seems right. like there's there's just sort of lost in the background is the fact that we have massive budget deficits. We have a massive amount of national debt. 
And at some point, something's got to give, right? I mean, it's, it's all the media coverage drills down on, well, we can't cut this program and we can't cut that program. And then by the time we're done, it's like we can't do anything. So, so the questions I've gotten from the media, and I love these people, don't get me wrong, a lot of them are friends of yours and mine, but they all start with, what are you going to do about the severe cuts in this area? Or, um, you know, what was the president thinking when he cut that area? <laughs> it's like, what, 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 what were, where was your concern when, when the previous president was running up massive deficits and debt and doubled our debt in the course of one presidency? Um, all the while, he was diluting and diminishing our military, which is the highest priority of the federal government. You know, so it, it is interesting. You're right. The lens that they have to look through are these. It's all about the cuts. And by the way, does anybody really believe there aren't some areas that we can cut in the federal government? Maybe that's I, I, it. I don't know. I, I, there's lots of areas that I would like to cut, but <laughs> I don't I don't have to run for elected office either. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com if you have any comments or questions uh, for the congressman. Hey, I, I got a question about this, and it's it's the 2018 race, and I, I know you're, you're not. I, I doubt you're going to break any news today about your intentions uh, for, for, for the Senate race today, although if you want to, feel free. Um, but... The, the Democrats are, are – we've now got campaign ads. I, I just saw – I heard that, that today. Yeah. They, they, yeah, they have a political action committee, and they're going to start running campaign ads. It's it's May of 2017. What is going on, Kevin? Well, here's what – it's. I don't know for sure, Rob, what's going on or what's driving them other than um, – other, other than they think about this election, the, the 2018 election, a lot more than I do. And as somebody said to me, uh, one of my, our friends often says to me, you're living rent-free in, in a senator's head. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't think about it that often, but they clearly do. And it, it, it is uh, – what you take away from that, I'm not really sure, Rob. I don't know what kind of conclusions you can draw from it. But um, I think – I, I do think it is so early. I think it's – frankly, I think it's risky, whether it's an attack ad by a particular group on me or whether it's a pretty, you know – build-up ad on, on an incumbent, I think both run the risk of, of um, fatiguing the, the voting public in North Dakota uh, doing it this early. So um, I try to, literally, I really, for my own good and for, for, for the good of the job that I'm trying to do for the people in North Dakota, I really do try to avoid thinking a lot about it. Senator Heitkamp has, has drawn some ire from her own party, uh, recently, uh, she's working with, you know, she's been touting, uh, she's working with uh, Senator Rob Portman uh, out of Ohio, who I, I get a lot of his tweets, Kevin. Can you imagine that? I get a lot of tweets <laughs> from Senator Portman for some reason. I love um, it. Yeah, but uh, I, I I should start responding to some of them maybe and just, I don't know. <laughs> you should. I, 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 can you get in trouble for impersonating a senator on Twitter? I don't know. I don't um, know. You know, the, 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 I don't know. Maybe you know, but speaking of impersonating, Democrats had a, a um, a Twitter account that impersonated me, and they the FCC was the FCC, I think it was, uh, or Twitter. I'm well, sorry, Twitter. Tw- tw- Twitter's um, got a policy. Yeah, yeah that you have down. to mark yeah. it. Yeah, if it's, I've had a few of those about me, and if it's a, if it's not marked clearly as a parody, then uh, they take it down or yeah. whatever, or they have to. I don't know. They got to do something with it. And anyway. anyway, with 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 Senator Heikamp, she's coming under fire from her own party. You know, yesterday she made some remarks where she called the, the quote unquote resistance. To President Trump, uh, she said it was a waste of time. Um, you know, I mean, she's she has for a Democrat in a lot of ways been very cooperative with with President Trump. What what are your thoughts on that? Well, if, you know, Senator Heitkamp 
knows her constituency really well. And, um, she, and I, you know, her and I do a lot of things together. We were just together on Saturday, in fact, uh, speaking to AMVETS on, on Armed Services Day at their state convention in, in Bismarck. And and she knows her constituency well, and she responds to them. And, I, and you know, People can question her sincerity if they want. They can, you know, can look at her voting record and see if there are certain things that, you know, that become red flags, or they might say, you know, whatever they want to conclude. But, but at the very least, the, 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 uh, to me, it's evidence that the electoral process works because there's two things elections do, and politics does, and in campaigns, um, but especially politics and the and the, the uh, you know the built-in. It, the built-in checks and balances of, of uh, divided government and, and three co-equal branches and the media, and that is it, 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 it helps determine the outcome of elections and who does serve, and then it holds those people accountable when they are serving. And so, so whatever the reason, and, you know, I might sound like I'm being too flattering of Senator Eichamp, but for some people, but but whatever the reason, a, a representative of people does something that seems um, anathema or contrary or you know, to, to what what you might think, it might just be that they feel some obligation or even some fear, if you will, and, and I'm not saying she's afraid, I, but don't get me wrong, but, but it, the system is set up for that, to, to be held accountable by your constituents, and um, if, to that end, if that's what it is, celebrate it, right? It works. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329, email talk at wday.com. I've actually been defending. I've had people telling me, too, that I'm I'm suddenly a height camp fan because I'm defending <laughs> her from the far left of her own party, but whatever. What's going on in Washington? I mean, what's 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 on the agenda? In Washington, so it's interesting. So this, this week, of course, is um, in Congress itself or in the House on the floor where we have a couple of themes going. One, veterans. We passed a number of uh, veterans bills that relate to um, benefits and cost of uh, one, one bill in particular that I was a co-sponsor of and, and have been pushing for quite some time is uh, making permanent the cost of living adjustment for um, veterans benefits and survivors benefits because, and, and we fix this every year, Rob. This is one of those things where every year we go in and in appropriations process or something, try to add the cost of living adjustment rather than just making a permanent law that that um, that there would be a cost of living adjustment, these things. But there are a lot of those kinds of things, a, a, a you know, VA accountability, another accountability bill that uh, gives the VA secretary more authority to fire bad employees, um, a number, number of those kinds of things that we're doing. And then some human trafficking uh, legislation that we're working on as well this week. Uh, so that's sort of our theme for the week in the House of Representatives. At the same time, I think the bigger issue that's going on is the um, House Ways and Means Committee is, has begun the hearings on comprehensive tax reform. So they've had a blueprint out now for several months. A lot of stakeholder groups, constituents have gone through it, and they've put the pencil to everything from uh, what would the lower rate look like how what would the border adjustability tax you know do to them if if their exports are taxed rather or exports aren't taxed and imports are um, you know what what about deductibility for example of interest uh, which is one of the issues in the blueprint um, you know taking taking that away uh, how would it affect if uh, you can expense the day of a of a major capital investment. All of these things are part of the blueprint that have been out there for a long time, and you know three three different rates instead of seven, and you know flatter code. All of those things. So they started having hearings last week, and they had some hearings this week. They were on more on the global issues, the um, 
you know, the competitive issues globally. And that's been great, Rob. And the reason I say that is because you don't hear a lot about it. it there's, for one thing, there's all this other white noise. You've got the president in, in, on a historic trip, obviously, and you've got, you know, the scandals or, or alleged scandals that swirl around. But in the meantime, I think that the work the Ways and Means Committee is doing right now is really important because it's big work. It's a heavy, heavy lift, but it's just had a lot of, of stakeholder involvement. And that's, you know, I think that's more what people expect Congress to look like. 701-293-9000, we got a little less than five minutes left with the congressman. Are, are you satisfied with, I mean, obviously we had a big blow up over the last couple of weeks about, uh, you know, FBI Director James Comey being fired and the Russian investigation and all that stuff. It feels like some of the dust has settled on that for at least now. Are you satisfied with how all that turned out? I think so far, I, I, and I think you're right, I think the dust has settled a little bit. I think it's a combination of things, not the least of which is, of course, the, the appointment of special counsel. Uh, I, sat, I did sit through a briefing last week. When, you know, as, as you know, we have these um, classified briefings, and uh, Rod Rosenstein, the acting attorney general on this issue, on the, on the uh, Russian issue, uh, briefed us, uh, seemingly confirming, you know, again, that there's, um, that the appointment of a special counsel has nothing to do with any, uh, anything other than just trying to restore public confidence in the outcome of the investigation. It's not presumed on anybody's guilt or anything like that. But he's also made it very clear, and he did in numerous questions that frustrated a lot of people, uh, made it very clear that he's turning everything over, including his own behavior, um, for, for investigation by the special counsel, which is really very noble of him, in my view. So it, it does take sort of the edge off. Um, now, some, some Democrats were frustrated because they, they thought his memo, you know, wasn't hard wasn't hard enough on Donald Trump, but his memo was simply to announce that he was appointing a special counsel specifically to take uh, to, re- to restore public confidence, not to prejudge anything. Um, so I am satisfied, Rob. I mean, the, the two intelligence committees, the House and Senate, are still doing theirs, as you know. Um, as you know, former CIA Director Brennan testified yesterday. Um, that was frustrating for some people, I think, too, because again, he confirmed that there doesn't so far there's no evidence of collusion, and so um, it'll all that, that part will go out in the public, and the uh, FBI investigation, special counsel investigation, will be more private, and hopefully at the end of the day, people can have confidence in the outcome. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go. It sounds like we're going to skip next week uh, after the holiday. Okay. So, oh, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm yeah, I'll be traveling next week. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I, I tell you what. Um, Oh, never mind. That's not a question. I'm going to let you go, Kevin. We'll come back and wrap the show up right after this. Thanks, as always, for the time. We'll talk with you in two weeks. Thanks, Rob. Bye-bye. It's Congressman Kevin Kramer. We'll wrap the show up right after this. 701-293-9000, Oak away. Welcome back. Rob Reporter on 970 WDAY. Wrapping the show up. Justin uh, emailed. He goes, Rob, although I lean a little to the left, I agree that the federal budget needs to be trimmed. However, I wish that legislators would see fit to trim some of the layers and layers of administration rather than positions that actually provide the service to the public. For example, Trump's budget proposes to trim over 600 scientist positions from the Agricultural Research Service. But as far as I could tell, no administrative positions are slated to be cut. Justin, you know, I, I think this is I, I'm really happy that Justin sent in this email, Natil, because 
I, I think part of what I was just talking about the, about with the congressman is that so much of the debate about the budget, it's like it's like somebody puts out a budget proposal, and then it's all about oh we're we're gonna kids are gonna starve and elderly people are gonna f- be pushed off cliffs and everything else like that's the debate that takes place. So so he, here we have an email. Um, and, and what he is saying is, listen, I lean a little bit to the left, which I'm, I take to mean he, he doesn't agree with me on, on everything politically, which is fine. Um, but what he's talking about is, I mean, he's acknowledging a need that the budget's got to be trimmed. And, and I, I think it feels like that is absent from so much of the debate, right? Because just immediately it becomes, uh, oh, you know, we're going to hurt poor people and this is just for the rich or whatever. I mean, it it seems just completely divorced from the reality that we have got to do something to rein in spending, right? We, we can't continue to run these deficits. We can't continue to grow the national debt the way we have been. As a matter of fact, it would be nice if we could maybe start paying off some of the national debt. But in order to get there, something's got to give. And I feel like this guy who just emailed in, I can have a debate with him. Like, we can have a good debate about cutting those positions versus cutting these other positions all within the context of understanding that the budget's got to be reduced. Thanks for the email. That was great. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. Stay tuned for that. You can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com, North Dakota's most popular political blog. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Y'all just a waste of time.